You're listening to the Ayn Rand Institute Live podcast series. The following is a recording of the Ayn Rand Institute's Philosophy for Living on Earth webinar series. Sign up to attend the next webinar live at bit.ly forward slash ARI webinars. Why Be Honest by Ben Baer. Good morning or afternoon or evening as the case may be, wherever you are joining us from. Uh, welcome to Philosophy for Living on Earth, coming to you live from the Ayn Rand Institute. This is a weekly webinar series that explores life's big questions and the answers to those questions from the perspective of the philosophy of Ayn Rand. My name is Ben Baer. I'm your host this week. Our big question for today is why be honest? Uh, the way that we're going to run these sessions is I'm going to give a presentation for around 20 minutes. Then we'll open it up at the end for your questions and answers and discussion. Uh, at that point, I'm going to be joined by my colleague here at ARI, Elon Giorno, who's going to help moderate the Q&A and hopefully join in in answering some of the questions too. By the end of today, my hope is that you're going to have a better understanding of what I take is a very frank and honest answer that Ayn Rand gives to this question of why be honest, uh, an answer that has always really resonated with me personally. So before we go into the guts of the answer to this question that Rand offers, I want to start us off by thinking about a kind of case study. And it's a common case study that I think many people may at least be tempted by. Uh, a case where they're tempted to be dishonest. Suppose that you think, well, what if I padded my resume with uh, some extra skills, skills that I don't really have, just to make it look like I'm a better candidate? For, for instance, you might think, well, I'll say that I know a certain programming language that I don't actually know. I, the question that I think a lot of people face with regard to this situation is, why shouldn't I do this? Why do I have to be completely honest all the time and not put those extra qualifications? I mean, most of the stuff on the resume is true. I'm probably not going to get caught. I'm not really harming anybody by doing it, is what they'll often tell themselves. And it's not like I'm Bernie Madoff here defrauding thousands of people of millions of dollars. And so I'm going to end up in life with life in prison because of it. Besides, this idea that we should be completely honest all the time, it seems like a burdensome duty that we owe to other people for no obvious practical reason. And I think this way of thinking about honesty will, will, will often lead many people to practice smaller scale dishonesty of this kind. And we see it in lots of places. We see it in the, in the sales people who use, say, false or misleading things about the value of the products they're trying to sell you. And it's not that they're completely worthless goods, but they're not maybe quite what you expected. You certainly see it in the politicians who maybe keep some of their campaign promises, but certainly don't even expect to keep a lot of others. And this particular practice is so common that most people just write it off as completely normal and vote for the politicians anyway. So what, if anything, is wrong with this kind of dishonesty? 
is principled honesty really just some kind of impractical, unnecessary burden that we discharge for other people? Or is there actually practical uh, significance and value in this widely recognized moral virtue? Well, I think to answer that question, we need to first answer the question, what is honesty? There's some legitimate confusion that I think people have about this question that leads them in some cases to skepticism about the importance of principled honesty. And so to clarify what honesty is, I want to start by saying something about what it's not, or at least what it is not simply. And one thing here is that honesty is not merely telling the truth. There is something more specific that honesty expects of us. I think showing what exactly it expects of us is actually going to help show us why it's not a burdensome duty. And to back this up, to show why honesty isn't simply telling the truth, uh, I have two kind of sub points under this. The first of these is that if you just tell some truth, that might not really be honest itself, because there is such a thing as a half truth, which when presented is misleading. Presenting facts selectively can be dishonest. I think most people realize that the used car salesman who says, well, this car was checked by the best mechanics. Uh, most people will realize that when he says that, people are going to think, oh, so it must be safe, even though he doesn't mention that, well, they checked and they found out that it had some real problems. Likewise, if the politician, a politician shares a photo of the crowd at one of his rallies, crops out all the uh, empty seats, as if to suggest he's really popular, that this is a half truth. This is trying, this is being misleading. This is dishonest. Likewise, if you say on your resume, well, I studied this programming language. Uh, that will lead people to think that actually you know it, even though you studied it and let's say you failed the class or dropped out. Most people will say that kind of half truth is, is still dishonest. So honesty isn't just about facing some selected facts. It's about coming to terms with the whole truth. It's about seeing the forest and the trees the full context, the wider perspective of the reality that you live in. So that's one reason why honesty is not simply about telling the truth, because you have to tell or concern yourself with the whole truth. But a second sub point under this is that honesty is also not just about what truths you tell to other people. Because I think most people will also recognize that you can perfectly well be dishonest with yourself. So that used car salesman who uh, talks about how he had mechanics check it might actually convince himself that, well, this car has been driven for so many years and nobody's had a problem with it. It must be fine. It must be perfectly safe, even though, of course, that's true of every car that breaks down for the first time. And that politician who uh, shows the selected photographs he probably convinces himself, oh, he's a victim of the dishonest press. And so his propaganda is justified in retaliation against the dishonest press. Likewise, when you 
decide to put this uh, extra skill on your resume that you don't have, you might even tell yourself, well, I did study it at one point. And yeah, even though I dropped out of the class, I could probably learn it again, even though the reason you dropped out was because it was, let's say, really hard. So I think this kind of dishonesty with yourself is probably often at the root of the dishonesty that people display toward others. They convince themselves of the lies they're telling other people, or at least they convince themselves that it's justified. And my point here is not that we need to be honest with ourselves just so that we won't lie to other people. Uh, my point is that there's a whole other relationship here with value significance that I think most people don't even consider. That is, maybe what's good and important about honesty and what's bad about dishonesty is not just about your relationship with other people. Maybe it's about your relationship with reality, your own personal relationship with reality. There's something important about that relationship that needs to be preserved. So to wrap up those two points that I've just made about why honesty isn't simply telling some truth to other people. Here's, I think, a better positive statement about what honesty really is. What honesty really is, is facing reality and not faking it. And so it's not just about telling some partial selective truth. It's about dealing with grappling with the whole truth, which is to say, facing reality as such. And it's not just about telling other people the truth. It's about facing the truth for yourself. I think that framing our understanding of honesty in this way will pay some dividends when it comes to understanding what values are at stake in the principle of being honest. Okay, so why do we need to be honest? What is so important about facing reality, refusing to fake it. There's two questions you could think about here is, do we need to be honest at all? And why do we need to be honest? I think once we understand why, the fact that we do is gonna be particularly crucial. So why do we need to face reality and refuse to fake it? I think the basic and most fundamental reason that you can give here is we need to face reality if we want to navigate our way through it. Now, this is a point that's obvious to most people in the most obvious cases. So most people will say, if you need to, if you want to navigate a mountain path, you need to pay attention to where you're going, to the trail, to the obstacles, and you shouldn't pretend that certain facts are when they're not. So you shouldn't pretend that you can just walk straight up the mountain. You need to actually find a path. You shouldn't pretend that you can jump across chasms when you can't or that walking too close to those chasms is perfectly safe and they're not really there. I think most people will also realize that you shouldn't pretend that pretending actually works, that you can wish these obstacles on your path away, that you can make yourself stronger, faster, more able, uh, in various ways, just by wanting it to be true. Most people realize that in these kinds of cases, wishing doesn't make it so. The reality that you're encountering and trying to navigate through can't be escaped just by the power of your wish. But of course, my point is that what's true in this simple case is true in lots of other cases, true in every case as well. 
it's not just about navigating mountain paths. The same point is going to be true whether you're talking about navigating the auto sales market, the job market, or the political world. You need to be honest. You need to face reality and refuse to fake it if you want to navigate your way through life. Now, maybe it's not as obvious in every case what the right path is through life. Maybe there are many equally good options for you to choose from. But whatever they are, the fact still remains that those options don't respond to your wishes. And the obstacles in your path along that route through life also don't go away just because we wish them to. Now, you might say, well, all of this is fine and all this makes sense. But isn't some dishonesty still okay? You might think that one of the facts that you need to face about life is that deceiving other people in life is helpful or even necessary. But I think that that idea is itself a form of self-deception. Because one of the facts that uh, we're going to see as we look at this issue today is that an important fact about other people is that they're not just like inanimate objects that are obstacles uh, on your path. They have minds just like you do. They have to deal with reality too. And this has important implications, I think, for how you need to deal with them. So why is it that we need to be honest all the time? That's the real question that I think most people think about when they think about this issue. Nobody believes in being dishonest all the time. It wouldn't work for obvious reasons. But they do think, well, maybe there's a tolerable amount of dishonesty that we can allow into our lives. However, what I'm going to suggest now is that this idea that there's some tolerable amount assumes that there's a line that we can draw around that tolerable amount where we can restrict ourselves to it. And just as long as we don't go past that, uh, we'll be fine. But I'm going to suggest now that there's something in the very nature of dishonesty that makes it impossible to draw lines like this. Dishonesty is infectious. Lies cannot be contained. Once you pretend that one piece of reality is different than it actually is, you have to fight hard to keep it even nominally consistent. So for example, go back to the programming uh, language on your resume. Uh, you said you could program in this language. Now at work, you're asked to write a program with that language. What are you going to do? Are you going to admit you can't? Well, if so, you've already been caught. If you don't admit it, how are you going to get the programming done? You're going to hire somebody else to do it for you. Where are you going to get the money to do that? How are you going to explain why you're spending this money? What happens when the program needs to be uh, debugged? Uh, how are you going to help troubleshoot it if you don't actually know the language? Are you going to have to run interference now with the person that you hired to do it? You say that you learned how to do this in school, but you were an English major in school. So how do you explain that? And when you meet somebody who went to your program who said that they were in that class and they don't remember you, what are you going to say to them? You, why don't you have a programming portfolio? You can keep making up more lies to cover up those problems, but uh, like the uh, proverbial uh, hole in the dike, once you plug it, others start to uh, pop out and you have to try to cover them too. 
Uh, you use another metaphor. The usual metaphor here is the idea of being caught in a tangled web of your own lies. I think it's a pretty good metaphor, but it's still not perfect because one thing that's really important here is that it's not so much the web of lies itself that you're caught in. What, where you'll get caught is in reality. You'll get caught by the facts of reality uh, that don't accommodate yourself, don't accommodate themselves to the tangle, the tangled web of lies that you've woven. And the reason why you get caught by reality is the more fundamental point that reality is interconnected. It's connected by relationships of cause and effect. In reality, if you alter one fact, that has effects on others. What that means is that faking that some fact is real when it's not necessitates having to then fake the other effects and the causes of that effect. So for example, you know, learning programming has real effects on what you're able to do with your life. And so if you pretend that you learn programming, you need to explain why these effects haven't obtained or you need to fake the fact that you have, fake the fact that they have obtained. So you have to keep adjusting your faked reality because reality doesn't adjust to your faking. And that's because of an even more fundamental philosophical reason. Wishing doesn't make it so. Reality is unyielding to your wishes. It doesn't care what you want to be true. It's out there whether you like it or not. Wishing that you had these skills doesn't actually bring them or their effects or their causes into existence. And you might even say, well, look, I know I don't have these skills. I only care about what other people think. But the same point applies to them, which is to say the fact that they want things to be true or that they believe things to be true still doesn't make it true, still doesn't give you these skills, still doesn't allow you to magically uh, cover up the missing causes and the missing effects. Now, even here, you might say, well, I know that too. I know that nobody's wishes makes things true, but I don't care about actually having the skills, all I want is, let's say, the money that I get from the job uh, that they hire me to do. But now here I think the question becomes, what's the value of the money that you get in a situation like that where you have to rely on other people's, in effect, their stupidity and their delusions? Dishonesty tethers us to other people's delusions, and in doing so, it makes, us, it makes reality even more of our enemy. I mean, normally we profit from other people's knowledge, from other people's insight, from other people's attention to the facts. It gives us the ability to teach us things, to create and share values with us. And so wouldn't we normally want to have a boss, for instance, who hires us, who has a good attention to detail, who just as much as he cares to check your references and to check whether you really have the skills you say you do, also cares to check the company's finances, wants to make sure they're in the black, to make sure that you actually get to keep the job that he gives you. Why then would you want to work for a boss who doesn't check the details? Why would you want to be in this kind of blind, blind leading the blind relationship? Now you might say at this point, and I think the only thing you can say at this point is that's all true, but you still might get away with it. And that's true. You might. If you just pad your resume, 
you probably won't end up like somebody like Bernie Madoff. But here I think the question is, why would you want to live a life where you risk becoming somebody like him? Even if nobody else finds out what you've been up to, there's one person who's always going to know, and that's you. Whenever you feel like you need to pad the truth with extra little lies, you're sending yourself a message. You're sending yourself a message that you can't handle the truth. For example, when you say, I don't think I can get by with my existing job skills. I need to make them look better than they actually are. You're sending yourself the message. It's more important to delude other people about what and who you are than it is to, I don't know, actually spend some time developing your skills, learning new things about reality, uh, even uh, uh, you know, uh, maybe changing jobs if, you, if, you, if this one isn't satisfying to you. Rather than developing those skills, you're spending all your time trying to blind other people to what's actually true. This only deepens your conviction that you can't handle reality. I think the sum total of this point is that dishonesty negates your self-esteem. And if you read about Bernie Madoff, you'll find out he had an extreme inferiority complex. He thought the market was rigged against him, so he didn't bother learning any actual investing strategies. He spent his money trying to cover up past losses to create the impression that he was actually a winner. So, you know, the more that you feed this flaw in your self-esteem that leads you to want to pad the truth, the more you give yourself a soul like Madoff's, and you might not end up in jail like he did, but what value is any money that you make going to be when you don't have a self that you esteem that can actually do things that you value with that money? What do you want to do with this money if you don't actually enjoy what you're doing with it? And there's more to be said about that point, but maybe you can ask me some questions uh, in the Q&A. Okay. Final point to make here is that all of this put together suggests that we're not talking here about a burdensome duty that we owe to other people uh, just because somebody said so. Keeping reality as your ally, as opposed to making it your enemy, when you're always trying to cover up what's true for fear that other people smarter than you will see it, that is a source of anxiety. That is not a way to live a happy life full of self-esteem. Um, and so you want to live in accordance with reality. You don't want to live in fear and guilt of the reality that you're not looking at. These are all themes that were sounded by Ayn Rand when she wrote the following about the virtue of honesty in the climactic speech in Atlas Shrugged. She said, honesty is the recognition of the fact that the unreal is unreal and can have no value that neither love nor fame nor cash is a value if obtained by fraud. That an attempt to gain a value by deceiving the minds of others is an act of raising your victims to a position higher than reality, where you become a pawn of their blindness, a slave of their non-thinking and their evasions, while their intelligence, their rationality, their perceptiveness become the enemies you have to dread and flee. That you do not care to live as a dependent, least of all as a dependent on the stupidity of others, or as a fool whose source of values is the fools he succeeds in fooling, that honesty is not a social duty, not a sacrifice for the sake of others, but the most profoundly selfish virtue man can practice, his refusal to sacrifice the reality of his own existence to the deluded consciousness of others. Takeaways, 
One, first get clear on what honesty actually is. It's not just about telling the truth to other people. It's about facing reality and refusing to fake it. We need to do that if we want to navigate through reality. And this has supreme, selfish, practical value. Okay, that's all I've got for content. Uh, I will mention a few things to take a look at if you want to learn more about this topic. One is the uh, the book that I referenced earlier, uh, The Shrugged. Uh, many of the characters, it's not just in the speech. There's, a, there, there's a, a clear contrast drawn between the honest and the dishonest characters. And we get, an, we get insight into their minds, insight, especially with the dishonest characters, what the consequences of their evasion are, how they can't contain their lies. Objectivism, the Philosophy of Ayn Rand by Leonard Peikoff has an excellent section in its chapter on virtue about the virtue of honesty. And I also want to recommend this book by uh, Dr. Tara Smith, Ayn Rand's Normative Ethics, which has a whole chapter just on the virtue of honesty. I'll also point you quickly to, if you go to the Ayn Rand lexicon on the uh, Ayn, Rand course, Ayn Rand Institute's courses site, uh, look up honesty. You'll see some of the passages that I mentioned today, plus a few others. And I'll also now ask you to uh, join us again next week when uh, my colleague Aaron Smith is going to uh, give another one of these weekly webinars on the topic, Do I Need a Philosophy? Same time next week, Wednesday, 11 a.m. Pacific, which means 2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, finally, before we turn to q and I do want to uh, ask you to fill out a poll that we frequently uh, ask our attendees to take a look at. We're trying to introduce Ayn Rand's ideas to new people who haven't uh, studied them before. So we want to know what your level of interest and familiarity with Rand and her objectivist philosophy is. So I'll leave that open. And last of all, if uh, you have any other big questions that you'd like to take us up in future episodes, we'd like to hear what questions you have. So send us an email to webinars at aynrand.org. Uh, now I think is a good time for us to open it up for questions and uh, Elon Giorno should be out there somewhere in the ether. Hopefully he will join us in a second. Elon, are you there? Actually, he's right next door to me. <laughs> Hi, Ben. Can you hear me? Are. Yeah. Great. Thanks for the presentation. Uh, we have some questions and I'll, I'll line them up for you. So before we get into questions, I wanted to uh, ask a moderator's privilege question, if I may. Sure. Maybe two. So picking up on some of the points you raised in the presentation, uh, let me ask, and this was actually raised by someone on Facebook, so I'll, I'll sort of build uh, on that question. Uh, what do you make of the, um, how do you think of the issue that people often bring up in the context of should you be honest? And they, the, the kind of example they bring up is, um, you know, it's World War II and the Nazis are knocking at the door and they're asking you, you know, where are your children or if you, if you have Jewish neighbors or another example is, you know, not, not tied to World War II, but you have, um, someone's come to, to, to your door with a gun and says, where are your valuables? Where, where's your safe? Where's your cash? Where's your jewels? Um, what does the honest person do? In that situation, should it seems like you should say that you know they're upstairs and help yourself. It, it seems that way, but I don't think it's it's actually true. Now, it's worth pointing out one of the most famous 
cases in which a philosopher was asked this question, somebody asked this question of Immanuel Kant. And Kant really did think that honesty was a duty that in effect we owe to other people. And he thought it was a, what he called a categorical imperative that you must tell the truth in all cases. And so he thought you should tell the Nazis where the people you're hiding are. There's a big contrast here between Kant's view and Ayn Rand's view. And it helps uh, to reflect back on the first point that I made in the webinar about understanding what the principle of honesty is really all about. So one issue is that it's not all about what you tell other people. That can often be a very important application of it, but that's not the principle. The principle is recognizing reality and refusing to fake it. Now, just like with any other principle, whether in ethics or in science, principles have different applications in different contexts. So just like the principle, and, and if you take a look at the, uh, the webinar that Keith Lockage did a few weeks ago on principles, uh, you'll see him describing the following kind of point in more detail. You know, the principle of the law of gravity says that bodies are attracted to each other by a certain force. It doesn't say things always fall down. You know, if, if, if an airplane has the force of lift, it counteracts the force of gravity and it can stay in the air. That's a special circumstance where the law applies differently than it usually, uh, than it does in other circumstances. Likewise with the kind of murderer at the door case. Uh, the principle here is recognize reality and don't fake it. And if, if, if the reality here is that there's an evil person threatening your values, there's, there's, no obligation to tell him the truth. You're, you're recognizing the truth for your own. And you're realizing the thing to do here is to lie to him to protect those values. You're not trying to gain a value uh, by telling him some truth. This is not some fraud that you're engaging in. You're trying to protect something that's rightfully yours from somebody who doesn't have any right to it. Okay, great. So um, let me uh, pose a question raised by Sam in the Q&A module. Sam asks, um, how does honesty relate to selfishness? So you put it in your presentation, but it seems like, um, you know, I think a lot of people would find the opposite perspective really appealing that selfishness really is on the side of, well, it's your advantage to cheat people. And so, you, so maybe you can elaborate on how the two are related. Yeah, there's at least two more big points that I would wanna make in response to this. The um, first is one that I was just starting to touch on toward the end of my presentation, that uh, it matters how you obtain something, uh, whether, whether something's going to actually be of value to you depends on how you obtain it. Uh, Ayn Rand once uh, made, used an analogy in a slightly different context of saying, um, you know, buying a, getting a picture gallery at the price of gouging out your eyes uh, is not actually of value to you. And the point here is that being dishonest is sort of like gouging out your eyes it, to the extent that it undermines your ability to deal with reality, to the extent that it undermines your own productiveness, your own self-esteem, it negates the value of anything material that you might get through dishonesty. So think, for example, about, you get, suppose you get some money from some swindle. Well, what do you plan on doing with the money? I mean, for a productive business person, they want that money because they enjoy the activity that they're engaging and they enjoy the productive activity and they want to fund more of it. Well, somebody who doesn't actually care about 
improving their productive skills, who's just trying to delude other people, they're not going to be able or want to spend their money on that. At most, they'll spend it to keep uh, uh, fooling those other people. Um, are you going to buy some kinds of uh, recreational activities with this money? Well, recreation in the best cases is something that we value because it allows us to take a break from the, again, from the productive activity we engage in. Somebody who is using money that they get through dishonesty to experience some recreation, I think is at most covering up pain. They're not actually achieving any kind of real pleasure. And the pleasure itself is only valuable in the context of wider issues in life about that, that relate again uh, to a person's self-esteem. Um, so, so, can I just challenge that? So, sure. um, you know, I've definitely met people who have the view that if you could only get away with it, if it's just something that you know, no one's going to notice a few hundred bucks from the till, or it, no one's going to know this actually is ill-gotten. Um, they're They seem convinced that. Yeah, they could live with it. It's not that big a deal. And what, and what I'm hearing from you is that there's there's a real price, and it's just, it's a it seems like primarily a psychological price. Right, and this relates to the other big point that I that I wanted to mention about this was which was that the if you're going to ask about what's the relationship between honesty and selfishness. Anytime you want to talk about does something achieve your self-interest or not, you have to have some understanding of, well, what's the self that has this interest? And it's not even just do I, uh, do I like the self, but is there even really a self there? Somebody who's got the attitude, well, I'm, I'm going to get away with it who's got this get away with it attitude is, is on the premise of trying to cheat reality, of trying to get away with faking. And that's not much of a self. That's a self that's being pulled in all kinds of different directions. Yeah, they want to build some things, but in the meantime, they want to pretend that they're building others. It's a fractured self. It's a self that isn't trying to make a place for itself in reality. It's a self that's trying to have two legs of straddling one piece of reality and one piece of non-reality. Um, this, this point is true, I think, for all these other issues about the value of money, about the value of um, pleasure. If there's no fully integrated self there to have values, to pursue values, these things aren't values to anyone. And part of what honesty is importantly concerned with is is maintaining your integrated relationship with reality and thereby keeping the self itself as an integrated total. So if I, so suppose I go down the street and I rob a bank, what you're saying would, would mean that the, you know, the $10,000 that I get away with and I get away with it. So I got a car ready. I've got enough gas to make it to Mexico. And, you know, I, I can live on that for who knows how long. So what you're saying is that even though I have $10,000 in my pocket and I can go out and drink every night and do all kinds of crazy stuff, that's not really a value to me. Even if, even if I spend weeks and weeks and weeks and months dreaming about how I'm going to spend that money and then every minute of it, you're saying that's not a value. I mean, one important thing 
whenever these kinds of questions come up is to do a reality check and to think, is this even something that can happen? Uh, I mean, yeah, occasionally people get away with things. Most of the time they don't, and they don't for the kinds of reasons that I've been discussing. Uh, that, you know, the, the, act, the, the act of dishonesty itself creates all these dislocations in reality that open them up uh, to being discovered. And then even when they don't get caught, the, that same fact is going to eat away at the person. They're going to be worrying about covering their path. They're going to be living a kind of neurotic state. And yeah, they might not get caught, but what's left of them once they don't get caught? What's left of the person? Yeah, they'll get some cheap thrills in many cases, but is that the kind of thrill that makes for a human life? There's a, there's a special kind of self that a human being has, and it's not just the, the life of an animal uh, getting some immediate stimuli. A human being lives over the course of a long range, and a human's life is constituted by important values like reason, purpose, and self-esteem are the ones that Ayn Rand named. So it sounds like, and just to, if I can draw out a couple of points from what you raised, um, really central to understanding Ayn Rand's perspective on why be honest, her answer to that, is sort of the wider picture of her, her view of, she has a definite conception of what it means to define your interests as an individual, what kind of life is appropriate for a human being, given our characteristics, our, our um, unchangeable characteristics as human beings as part of our who we are as humans that we need to live a certain way you know do certain things in order to live and there's all sorts of characteristics about us that are universally true so there's this whole kind of philosophical perspective that you can't just drop that whole set of facts about who we are what it means to live what what consequences there are psychologically to certain kinds of behavior and what what other kinds of actions make you happy and not make you happy. Those are objective facts in her view. And so this, this issue of what, what happens to the guy who supposedly gets away with it is, I think it really ties into the point you raised about you have to be honest because it's you and reality connecting. You have to, it's your relationship with the reality that comes first, not whether the police found you or somebody caught you in a lie even if nobody catches you in a lie, even if the police never are onto you, you will be always aware that you faked something significant. And this is, there's a whole uh, dynamic that uh, unfolds once that happens. Uh, and, and this comes from a conception, like a philosophical conception of what human life is about. Yeah, and, and the bigger thing that you faked, so like the, the bigger score you get from the bank, the the more there is then to worry about. And so, yeah, if you fake something really, really tiny, it's gonna be easier to patch it up, but then the, the, the perceived value is also really tiny, so why even bother doing it in the first place? I mean, if we were squirrels and all we needed to live by was nuts and we could, we could tell little lies to get lots of nuts, I, I, this argument wouldn't work. We'd have, we, we live this cyclical existence all that matters to our life is certain inputs. But of course, if we were squirrels, we wouldn't be able to lie in the first place. So this is a completely fantastic example, but I hope it illustrates the point. Uh, all right, let me take this uh, in another direction. So in answer to the question of, should you tell the truth to the person at the door with the gun asking where are your valuables? You said, no, you shouldn't. So, and I agree with that, that, that makes sense to me. 
but turning that around, it, it sounds like what you're saying is sometimes to be honest, you have to tell a lie. Yes. Is, that, is that your view? So just explain why, what you mean by that. So it, there, you're saying that there can be honest lies? That's maybe a paradoxical sounding way of putting it, but I, I don't think it's wrong. Um, the principle of honesty is, is that it's crucial for you to face reality and not fake it. In ordinary social circumstances, your interests and the interests of other people who are engaging in peaceful trade with you are harmonious. And yeah, you should, you should tell the truth to them. That doesn't always even mean that you should volunteer everything to them, but you shouldn't deceive them. Um, but yeah, I think honesty, like any other principle, applies in a certain context. It, it has to be applied with the circumstances in mind. This doesn't mean that it's subjective. This doesn't mean that it's relative. Just like the principle of uh, universal principle of gravitation uh, is, is an objective and absolute principle that applies in different circumstances in different ways. Uh, and there can be paradoxes in the way that it applies too. Like, I mean, the basic reason why uh, buoyancy buoys you up when you're in the ocean is because gravity's pushing down on this. So there's a case where the, the gravity is actually pulling you up in an indirect way. Uh, and I think something similar is going on uh, in, in the case where you are being uh, met with the supreme dishonesty uh, and evil of somebody who wants to take away your values. And in that case, your honesty demands meeting them with a similar kind of deception, uh, but only for the sake of protecting your values. So, so that's, so that I've sort of set up the question in what is sure to be seen as, which it is, as an extreme situation, right? Somebody at the door holding a knife to you or a gun. But other situations day to day, and maybe they, I don't know how often you think they come up, but are there situations where you think, no, no one's holding a gun to my head, but the right thing to do here is not to tell, just to tell an untruth maybe, or maybe that's a better way to put it. So yeah, give I a think, concrete example of that, if you can. I think it can come up in less extreme cases. I, I also don't think it's too common, but uh, they, they do exist. The, the, the clear example here is what they call the privacy lie, where uh, somebody is asking a question, uh, say it's a nosy journalist, and it's like, uh, are you having an affair with so-and-so? And you, if you answer yes, of course, you've given away uh, the information. If you say uh, no, uh, they might read certain implications into that uh, and uh, still think that you're guilty of something. And so the very act of, um, sorry, if you, if you simply refuse to answer, they might read certain implications into it. And so you might need to say no to, to, uh, to cover up something that is rightfully your private matter. Now, I think the principle here is the same, which is that just like the murderer at the door uh, doesn't have the right to enter your house, steal your goods, kill your loved ones, there's information about your life that certain people don't have the right to access either. And this is the reason why uh, we do, we have the right to control this is why there's people talk about a right to privacy and, and why there's even, uh, you know, you have a right to maintain a certain reputation and why laws against libel and slander are, I think, justified. So there's a broader conception here of what 
you have the right to, apart from narrow uh, kinds of goods and, and, and uh, uh, property. And I think that same point has to be taken into account when looking at the other things where like privacy lives might be justified. I don't think these come up too often um, because there are only so many ways that people can ask questions that get to things they don't have the right to get to. Um, and I think most of the time uh, your interests are best served and your values are best protected uh, when you either tell the truth or you simply refuse to volunteer answers. Uh, it's only in the rare case where, uh, where simply not saying anything, where inferences could be drawn from it that would endanger you. That's, I think, the main case where something like a lie would be justified. Okay. So building on that, you, in the presentation, you talked about half-truths and how they can be really essentially dishonest. I want to ask you about, uh, in the context of the present discussion regarding when there might be a situation where the context makes it so that it's appropriate to tell an untruth, what do you, what is the, what's your perspective on what people call white lies, first of all? What, what, are, what do you take them to be and how do you evaluate them? So a white lie is a lie that you tell to somebody to spare their feelings. Um, somebody asks you, uh, what do you think of this article I wrote? And uh, you actually don't think that it was a very good article, uh, but you don't want to make them feel bad. So you say, oh, it was, it was great, it was great. And the same principle applies here, except in, two, you know, in a kind of double way, which is that reality is our ally, not our enemy. And if you think you're doing your friend a favor by helping them to lie to themselves, by helping them to delude themselves about certain truths, just like you're not doing yourself a favor when you lie to yourself, you're not doing them a favor either. Now, this doesn't mean that uh, there are no uh, kind of uh, principles of etiquette that apply to these kind of situations where you know you think that there's a serious problem with the person's article and and uh, you know you don't want to just come out and say it's a terrible article I hate you go away um, you know there's there's tactful ways to deal with these kinds of situations but um, and and you may even it may even be the kind of case where you want to try to just not comment and leave it to them to try to figure out why doesn't this person want to comment on the article. And they can often learn from that in, in, in important ways. But if, if you're helping them to fake, that's not helping them out. And you're also, I think, lying to yourself about your intentions and uh, the value of that person to you if this is the way you think you help people. Yeah. I, I, one thought that comes up here for me, I think is maybe helpful, is that um, people are prone to using white lies when, and, and they do it, and I, I think sometimes they, they do it because they, as you put it, they, they, they're, they don't want to hurt someone's feelings. But it's, but it's a question I think that one should ask, in addition to what is it, should I tell this white lie or not, which I think is important, but is, is, it a, is this a reasonable feeling? Is this something that you should be concerned about? Because there, I think often white lies can be uh, 
to appease people's irrational feelings. And that's even worse because then you're, you're encouraging a particular really kind point. of perspective. Um, so, I mean, this, I think this happens in families all the time. So, you know, you don't tell your, your, um, you, know, you don't tell your mother that you're dating someone who's non-Jewish because she's bigoted and you don't want to hurt her feelings, but you're not willing to admit it's because she's bigoted and, and she, you know, if you told her, she would be upset. Now, she, is it right for her to be upset? Is this a reasonable perspective on her part to have this kind of emotional framework? Uh, and this, this occurs with other kinds of things too, not just with sort of racial or, or ethnic kind of things. Um, and the other thing connected to this, which is I was in a discussion once and this issue of telling white lies came up. One of the participants was a doctor and someone was saying, oh yeah, well, doctors do this all the time. And the doctor in this conversation was irate because he said, no, I would never tell a white lie because it's so destructive to a patient. So this is someone who's seen what it looks like to lead a patient into false hope. And I think it's a helpful context because um, obviously not many people, you and I are not medical doctors and we don't have those situations, but I think it, it kind of isolates the facts and their consequences when you think about, okay, so do I want the doctor to tell me that I have a cancer diagnosis and here's what I might do, but, or do I want him to make me feel good about how, how I, you know, my situation? Then, then you're really able to say, well, no, the facts really matter here and they matter to my life. And, and I would not trust a doctor if, if he did that. So it poisons the relationship and the trust that could arise there. I do think that there are special case, special facts about medical situations where if a patient gets some kind of bad news at a certain time when they're right in the process of healing and there will be physiological effects on their body by getting this news, yeah, it's probably a good idea not to share this with them at this particular moment. Um, but that doesn't mean that you lie to them. Uh, and, it, and, and I think for the kinds of reasons that you're, that you're saying, especially if you, the, the patient needs to use their mind to comply with the treatment and to get better. Yeah, and I, I just want to draw out that this this point that I think is overlooked. So I and, and I think Ayn, Ra, Ayn Rand was adamant that white lies are really destructive to human relationships, and in particular because I mean one major reason is if the person that you either in, have a romantic relationship with, or if they're uh, a friend, or whatever the form of the relationship you have with them, if you discover that they told you a white lie just follow the logic of what that means about their view of you and what they think, what kind of facts they think you're able to handle or not. So this goes back to your presentation, Ben, when you said the, the premise of some of these lies is you can't handle the truth, this, the, this kind of behavior. And it far from, so, so if, the, if a motivation people have for white lies is sometimes to ease social tension and avoid friction, like the example you gave with somebody wrote an article you think is, is not very good. Um, in fact, what a white lie does when it's discovered, or even if there's suggestion that it might be a white lie, it, it really poisons the relationship because it, it's no longer one of um, really open and frank interchange of, well, this is what I value, this is what I think of you, this is how our kind of value to each other stands. It's I mean, it's, I think it's patronizing and condescending often to realize that someone told you a white lie because you couldn't take the truth. And all the same points about how you can't contain lies 
apply here in important ways as well. So take that example about lying to your mother because you're dating someone who's not Jewish. Uh, what happens if you get married <laughs> to this person? Are you going to keep, are you going to fake the whole religion for the rest of your relationship? And, and what happens when you have kids and why aren't you raising the kids at the synagogue and so forth? I mean, it, that something like that, especially where you have an ongoing relationship with the person where there's so many more opportunities for them now to catch you in the lie applies in spades because it's a, an intimate relationship. So we're running, uh, low on time. So there's one question that touches on what we've been discussing so far from Steve. And um, maybe you, you can use this just to kind of summarize these, these different issues. So there's half truths, white lies, um, sort of incomplete uh, perspective on truth. So his, his question is, oh, and, and, blunt, and um, sort of coming out in a uh, maybe overly harsh way in terms of giving negative uh, feedback or something like that. So Steve's question is, can you distinguish between, uh, be, between being honest and being overly blunt? Um, so I think this is, might, might be a way to kind of put a capstone on this conversation. I can make that distinction. <laughs> uh, though I will, I'll tell you up front that it's sometimes a hard distinction to make in practice um, because the, uh, the truth is sometimes... Um, uh, difficult to grapple with. And so it's not always easy to know exactly how somebody's going to take something. And so what the right way to put it to have the most effective impact on them is going to be. Um, but there is a, there is a difference. And I think, uh, if you're being honest with yourself in trying to think about how am I going to tell somebody something, and if you're being honest about the nature of the value of the relationship, that will guide you in understanding am I telling them this because I think they really need to know it? Uh, or am I telling them this because I like to get a rise out of the person um, and see them sweat or uh, I like to show off uh, how, how much better I am at knowing things than they are or something like that. And so, I mean, something, the difference there has something to do with your motivation going into it. Now you, you can have the best motivation and still, slip up it's difficult um, but there's definitely a difference and um, i think you get better with it with time uh so i uh, being uh, the designated parent here so i have two kids uh, I, I'll, I'll offer a perspective on this because it comes up with the children it comes up in, in the workplace it comes up everywhere really uh, i think of it as uh, there's a distinction between the moral principle which i think in this case is honesty, so being true to the facts, not faking them, as you put it, which I think governs everything. It's, it, it applies in every context, just to understand the context and the parameters. And then the, distinguished from that is the issue of communication. And communication is a skill, and it, it applies, and you, you, you perform communication in different ways, in different contexts, to different people, to, for different ends. So if I'm speaking to my kids and I need to tell them something they're not going to like, or I need to help them adjust their behavior. I will put it in a certain way that I think will get the best result all of the, all the while recognizing that the, the wider principles, I'm being honest with them. Um, I, I'm telling them the important facts. If I told them those facts in an overly harsh way or needlessly harsh way, they would be less receptive to it. So there's a question of receptivity in the audience that you're speaking to. So I think of issues like bluntness, 
um, and tact, they fall under, for me, they, they, I think of them as primarily issues of communication between, uh, uh, and there's, there's both better and worse ways to communicate, uh, and there's also options. Some people just um, prefer to be more upfront, and, which I think is a good thing, uh, and some people are more ta uh, sort of roundabout, but that's something you can change in, in this optionality and this context that governs how to best communicate some information. But that doesn't alter, and, and the sort of the wider perspective is the principle, the moral principle applies universally. You should be honest in all times, in all places. What that looks like, as you were, told, as you were explaining, Ben, depends on the context and the facts that are relevant. Yeah, and one thing I would add to that is that depending on the context, bluntness may be exactly what is called for. Right, right. <laughs> right, especially if you're dealing with uh, somebody who deserves it, somebody who's, who's, who's a bad person. And you know, you're, there's probably no hope that you're gonna help them to understand the truth about the matter, but there's, a, there's an audience that's watching you and they're looking to see how serious you are about something. And in that kind of case, you should, you know, don't hold back, don't pull your punches. Great. So I think uh, this is a good time to wrap up and maybe you can tell us about next week. Uh, well, I think, uh, as I mentioned, uh, next week is going to be Aaron Smith, uh, Do I Need a Philosophy? I suspect that uh, the discussion that we had this week is perhaps an illustration of what his answer is going to be, because in this kind of everyday question of uh, should I tell lies or not, when and why, uh, there's a lot of philosophical issues at stake going all the way down to the nature of your relationship to reality. And uh, I think there's a lot of other issues like that to discuss. So um, hope to see more people joining us for that next week as well. So uh, thanks very much, Elon, And thank you everybody for joining us. Um, I hope this gives you uh, a new perspective on thinking about honesty and also thinking about moral virtue and its relationship uh, to self-interest more generally. So thanks very much. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the Ayn Rand Institute Live podcast. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. You can also find us on YouTube. If you like this content, please share or leave us a review. For more information, go to aynrand.org.